Welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. My name is Dan Holman, and my guest this morning is Michael Nascimento. Actually, when we came in and started this morning, uh, producer Rob and cameraman Trev thought that we had two guys because I said Michael Nascimento <laughs> with Management One and Mike Nash from the Prairie States. Uh, so yeah, welcome, Michael. Appreciate you coming in today. Yeah, this is awesome. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm, uh, oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, no, I'm a, I'm a musician um, and I also work in uh, data analysis uh, for independent retailers. And um, yeah, I've been playing in bands for, well, since mid high school and just didn't know when to quit. Nice. I try, tried to quit. Tried? Tried to quit. <laughs> took a bunch of time off and then, uh, yeah, I had to get back into it. It's the only, yeah. it's the only way. So, um, and then, yeah, the, the data analysis side, I ended up taking a, a program through uh, SAIT down in Calgary. It was, it was an IT, like a networking systems um, program. Uh, finished that uh, and then got into, you know, the workforce and started doing all that and then found a new stream uh, in data analysis and um, it's, it's been amazing. It's been, yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Cool. So what was your first job? Think way back. I know you're not, you're not terribly old, but think back. What was your first paying job? <laughs> paying job? Well, barely paid. Uh, it was like a, there was a, a uh, paper route that was opening up in my community and it was a, one of those free, uh, like a community newspaper. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It paid, I, I, I think it was like half a cent. I'm fairly certain. <laughs> half a cent per paper. Half a cent per paper. Uh, and uh, I think the only reason my you know, dad let me take on the job is just because it was like it was a first job. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're getting paid. Get out of the house. Go do something. Uh, you'll get some exercise. And um, it was a terrible job. But yeah. But yeah. Then, like outside of that, like the actual, you know, I always feel like a job is something where you're, uh, you're being socially you're being around people. So the first real, I think the first real thing was working at New York Fries. I was a fry master. A fry master. Fry master at New York Fries. Um, and that, yeah, I got into all sorts of shenanigans and stuff on yeah. that job. But that's, that's also part of a, a job. A fry master. A fry master, yeah. When you're at a job, you actually get to, you know, have fun and get into shenanigans and stuff. And so that was, yeah. I know, I know the three stages of how to make a great fry. There's, it's a three-stage fry system. All right. So yeah. this isn't about wealthy retail anymore. Now this is going to be about making the best fries. Yeah. So you have to soak the potato. After you cut the potato, you got to soak it for, I, th I can't remember exactly, but it's two or three hours. You got to soak the potato, get the starch out of the potato. Uh, once that's done, you got to drain the, the fry, let it, let it dry off a bit. You pop it in your first stage of frying, which I believe is around 200 degrees. Um, and then you uh, have to let that sit for a bit. Uh, then it's like 300 and some degrees is your your second stage, and then the last stage is just a flash fry right around 450. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know if those numbers are accurate at all. Uh, but yeah, that's how you get the great fry. Well, that's it. The wealthy retailer and how to make the best French fries. You're welcome. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so give us a little bit of insight into how you ended up in retail, in this retail world, and, and describe kind of what your role is today in retail. Yeah, so, um, well, I was working for uh, Canadian Retail Solutions, who was also contracting me out to an oil and gas company to do <laughs> IT work. Uh, how that, work, how that <laughs> intersects, I have no idea. 
but um, yeah, no. So I was doing uh, IT work for an oil and gas company, and that's when you know the gas prices kind of sure fell through uh, the floor. Um, uh, CRS was able to kind of pivot me into the retail side, um, and I think there's in the IT networking side, you're troubleshooting. Um, and I was taking care of purchasing for, um, for their tech as well. Um, but a lot of that analytical stuff of trying to figure out where the problem is um, and, and attacking that problem works well also in the, you know, the data analysis of, for these independent right. retailers. Um, so yeah, moved over into uh, that world and um, quickly began working a part of my brain that hadn't been exercised in a while. And yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, that's kind of how I moved into the, the retail side and then never looked back. So now today as a data expert in, in retail, give us a little, um, I'm going to say layman's, but I really mean real people understand what, you're, what really you do in data, in that data world. Uh, well, essentially, I'm looking for specific data points. I'm looking for specific, um, specific key data points. Like, what are your sales? Um, you know, uh, how much, how much markdowns did you take on those sales? Uh, you're receiving at cost and also at retail. So I'm looking for these specific data points, pulling them out of your system, um, organizing them into a format that that is easily understandable by. Um, management one, mm -hmm. um, who I do work for, um, and um, hand that over to them. And then we also look at on that side, um, we take that data and you know build reports, um, you know build massive reports that um, can give a forecast for a retailer uh, for the next twelve months. So, um, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll just we'll talk for a second a little bit about Management One. Oh, yeah. um, we'll give them a little plug. Management One is really the foremost authority uh, in merchandise intelligence, uh, probably on the planet. Um, they use big data to tell really great stories about what's happening in retail without really being on that retail floor. We're tracking the way that the customers vote uh, and trying to build a forecast that delivers, you know, the one thing that seems to elude every retailer, and that's cash flow. And so you know, my question really was give us some insight into that right. world that, that, you know, where you live in that management one world today. Um, and I think you did a great job describing it. So if I was to say to you, you know, are you in retail? Is that, do you believe you're in retail? Uh, I, I believe I'm for retail. For retail. I don't, uh, I don't uh, think yeah. I'm necessarily in it um, because I'm not on the sales floor. I'm not, I'm not buying. I'm not, um, you know, I don't, I'm not refacing, you know, I'm not doing anything that um, a retailer has to do. Right. Um, but I am definitely for it because I, I have to um, help these retailers um, better understand where their opportunities are um, and also to show them where their, the dogs are. Right. You know? um, and then just try and help guide that um, that process on where they should be investing their time. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm not in it. I, I don't believe, but I, you know, I I'm love that. I'm for retail. I'm for it. I kind of, I kind of connect. You can with steal that. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yours. <laughs> yeah. So is it is it fair for me to call you a retail planner? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you know what? As a retail planner, and looking at those data points that you look at 
frequently on an ongoing basis. Oh, yes. Never ending. Never ending. You know, are you seeing areas that retailers need to better focus on to improve their business? Uh, it's it's always, it, it always seems like it comes down to inventory. Either they have too much old inventory that there's just, maybe, I shouldn't say there's no way to move because there's always a way to move inventory, right. but um, they're sitting on, you know, far too much inventory in a, you know, in a department um, that is just not servicing them. Right. Or they're under buying in an area that can totally drive their business. Right. Um, and whether that under buying is coming from a place of lack of cash. Sure. Uh, or if it's coming from uh, just a place of insecurity where they just don't, they don't want to take that plunge. They don't want to jump in, you know. Yep. Head first, yeah, and and go for it. Um, and that, that those are the, I mean, that's you got to you got to take it when you right. when it's in front of you because it's I not going to last forever. Yeah, I think when I look across our retail sort of you know client base, I can easily identify fifty percent of our retailers are absolute chronic overbuyers. You know, motivated by the excitement at a trade show, inspired, and they buy way too heavy, too much of the same thing, way too heavy. And then you've got the other fifty percent who, you know, I used to tease one of our our clients. Um, she'll she'll know exactly who she is when I say, she, you know, she's got this uh, DRTB disease. And she said to me one time, Dan, are you calling me a dirtbag? And I said, no, no, DRTB is this acronym. You know, you've got a demonstrated reluctance to buy. Yeah. And that demonstrated reluctance to buy is really what was holding her business back. And when we sort of got her to release and buy in, you know, to some of the plans and the data that you're seeing, right. you know, her business went up 30%. But so it is really that half the group or half the field out there, retailers out there, are completely overbuying and running out of cash. And then the other half are completely underbuying and have no cash. So there has to be this comfortable balance. Yes. And I mean, it's kind of comfortable balance. It's kind of like in the band, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's two of us who are kind of like uh, doing all the paperwork and, and kind of driving that really boring side of the yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, business. yeah. But um, <laughs> Jeff is a get it done, go now, like, you know, and I'm a, oh, wait, wait, let's just think about this for <laughs> far too long. But, and and the, in there is that balance of, well, at the end of the day, we still get to that point. And yeah. not all independent retailers will have that, you know, partnership necessarily. Right. They might be doing it all solo. Yes. Um, so, you know, if they are one of those people who is like, hop in, yes. get it all, you know, they're buying too much. Mm -hmm. Or if they are uh, overthinking things right. and, and missing the boat, it's, yeah, you, you kind of have to uh, identify which which one of those you are, right? And address it, deal with it, and then start to open up to the possibility of uh, the benefit of the other side. Yeah, of the yeah coin. I totally so. agree. Totally agree. I think that retailers really need to find, you know, that I, I said comfortable balance, but it is that line where they're taking risk but also mitigating risk. Right. And that comes from their ability to really break their business down into small chunks, mm -hmm. to know where to be super aggressive and to take a bunch of risk and where not to take a risk, you know, where to play offense and where to play defense. Yeah. So, so if, if you could give three tips, just start with one, if you could give <laughs> one tip to a brand new retailer, what would it be? Um, I think it would be uh, just be confident. I think, uh, and this is only anecdotally that I've I've heard this, but I've heard this time and time again that a, a that retailers feel pressure from a vendor mm -hmm. um, into kind of 
taking on more than they should, um, you know, within a season, um, or taking goods too early um, in a season, and then you're you're committed to the payment on that um, before you've even sold, you know, sold. You 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 don't have any cash coming in to you know pay that uh, that vendor. So I think the big thing is like, is being confident and um, and realizing that they need you. Um, to, to the sell vendor goods. needs you. The vendor needs yeah. you. You are essentially, I mean, you're their customer. And what would you do for your customer? Um, you know, as a, as a great retailer, you're going to work with your customer to make sure that they can buy your goods. Right. So, um, but don't that? we want customers to overbuy from us as retailers? Okay, I take that back. <laughs> well, isn't yeah. that isn't that what we're trying to do? Truth. We're trying to get them to buy more. But if you if you overextend your customer, how often are they going to come back? If they're feeling the uh, pressure, good, very if, if good. If they're okay. feeling the pressure, yeah. then what what makes them want to come what back? What makes them come back? So, sure. And if they can't come back, if if they've spent everything they have and now yep. they're in trouble for spending everything that they have had, they're they're probably going to look at you. Look at that storefront and be like, uh, there's going to be a pain point there. They're not right. going to know why, but they're just going to keep driving. All right. So, right. um, yeah, just being confident in knowing that um, you need to buy what you need um, and, and buy it on, on terms that work for you. Okay. I think, I think, but it comes down to confidence. I think that's a big thing. So, um, so buy with confidence. Buy with confidence. Buy with confidence. Okay. Maybe uh, I'm paraphrasing, but buy with confidence. Sure. Yeah, no. I yeah. Like <laughs> All right. Fair. <laughs> okay. So give me something that you think new retailers just absolutely miss the boat on? What do they fail on coming out of the gate? I mean, how many, so I should have asked, how many new retail businesses do you see? Well, and that's, um, I actually don't see that many on my side. Okay. Usually, usually it's businesses that have, um, have been around for a while and need, are looking for that, that edge to get further ahead. Yes. Or they're just looking at uh, a shovel to dig them out of a hole. Um, so, you know, they, they're, um, so yeah, we're looking at actually, you know, tons of data, you know, 24 months right. worth of data to build off of. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, most retailers we see, or at least I see are, have been around for a bit. They're veterans that are just trying to get fixed, get to the next level, get to the next level. Get to the um, next level. all right. But, um, you know, for new, I guess the big thing for me uh, as somebody who has to dig data out of systems is, you know, you, uh, new retailers need to be, they need to know their point of sale. Sure. Cause if, uh, I mean, that's probably the last thing most people want to think about. Um, when they're should we give a plug a to Canadian retail solutions on the point of sale? If you need a point of sale, <laughs> work for you. The microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Canadian retail solutions. They'll hook you up. Uh, no, I, yeah, it is. It's like uh, every every point of sale has their um, their strong their, mm -hmm. their, their their strong. What is it? What am I looking for? Strong, not suit. They they have their. I mean, I think that they have what they do well. They exactly. do they do things real. Some things really well, exactly. and other things they don't do well. For yes. sure. And it, it always seems that there's there's one thing that this glaring omission yeah. that just seems like what what do you mean that you can't do that on your right. on your system? But it's always you can't enter your purchase order. That it's seems... six months down the road that you figure it out. You're locked into this thing, right? And it's it's yeah. uh, a headache to get out of it. So know yeah. your point of sale. Do your research in advance. Really find something that's going to work for you. And know how you you can get your data out of that point of sale 
so that you can get it into a new one down the road if need be. Like As you grow. As you grow. If you grow out of a point sure. of sale and you need to move into something new, be able to yeah. be sure that you can get your information out easily. Um, well, I certainly see that working with retailers on a daily basis that, you know, they have outgrown their point of sale system, but don't even know that they've outgrown it, that they're looking for more than it can give them. Right. And in some cases, they feel a little bit tied down and they, you know, they don't know how to make a change. Um, but certainly understanding their system is paramount. Well, how many, success how many retailers do you work with that actually don't know the capabilities of the point of sale that they have? You know, Not that many. Maybe 99.5%. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so most re of the reality is yeah. we use about 15% of any system's ability or capability. Right. I mean, even think about what you're doing in data work. I mean, are retailers really using all of the knowledge that you're providing in a plan or in that data? I mean, when we look at the, the, the power, the significance of a management one, you know, a merchandise plan, yes. how many retailers are really looking at what's my open to buy, you know, and not really telling a good enough story or understanding the story as to why I've created it. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, flip over from what you do to where the coaching sort of lives in with that plan, you know, we have to give retailers the, those tools. And, and today, you know, they just don't use them. They don't use them enough. And if you look at a point of sale system, the most simplistic point of sale system out there, they're still probably only using one aspect of it, right? The cash register. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I guess too if it, if if they're new at it or they're just coming into it, there's only so much information you can digest. They don't oh. know what they don't know. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and yeah. it's um, and yeah, so for yeah, sure, th that's fair. Okay, all right, let's take a break from retail for a second. Okay, tell us about the Prairie States. Uh, the Prairie States are, uh, yeah, we're just, we're a relatively new band uh, made up of, I mean, we're just a bunch of friends that, um, uh, like, do you want the, the history? Tell yeah. me the who, what, where, and why. The who, what, where, and why. Um, there's not, isn't there five W's? I so just gave you four. Let's go back to 2000. <laughs> uh, no, it was, I, I help out at uh, the Big Valley Jamboree quite a bit. Um, and um, every Sunday night, um, a karaoke um, winner from the weekend, they do this karaoke contest, mm -hmm. a karaoke winner comes up on um, the Coors stage and does a couple songs. And, um, and this kid, he was a kid at the time, I think. I shouldn't say the kid. He's bugged when we call him the kid. Right. Uh, this outstanding gentleman. <laughs> Wearing flip -flops. This young, fine gentleman. Yeah, wearing flip-flops and jeans and a cowboy hat made of straw. Uh, came up and sang some, uh, sang a Keith Urban song, and I can't remember what the other one was, but just nailed it. And looked like he was half asleep doing it. Like, right. just effortlessly just wailing. And, um, and was blown away, and then that was it. Yeah. Usually, I mean, it happens every year. You're like, oh, these it was great, uh, but he blew me away. And then, uh, yeah, I thought that would be it. Fast forward a couple of years, uh, Jeff is out with, um, you know, our friend Jay on a radio tour promoting Jay's country record. And a DJ or somebody at a radio station was managing Matt at the time. And um, 
he was so Matt's the young, the fine Matt's young gentleman. Fine young gentleman in the uh, <laughs> flip flops, jeans, yeah. and the. Uh, yeah, and, and Jeff. Yeah, there's two more than one Jeff in the band, isn't there? There's a J. Oh, it's a J. Yeah, there's a couple J. of uh, J names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff and J. J. Um, and uh, yeah, she, Matt needed a guitar player and, and somebody to you know write songs with, and you know, Jeff hopped on board right away, and um, and then they started a they started the band. They you know they were you know playing quite a bit, um, get things rolling, and you know it's they needed a bass player and. Yeah, that's how I came into yeah. it. But uh, yeah, it was just funny how like it all came full circle. Like you just, um, and now we're um, we got a a generous grant from the Edmonton Arts Council to um, record our first album, and um, and yeah, we just five guys hop in the studio, just buddies making yeah. making songs, and uh, Jay produced it, and our friend Brad uh, mixed and engineered it, and it was just. Um, it was awesome. It like it would just the, what came out of the studio was was amazing. Uh, everybody was super excited, and then from there it's just been it's just been you know upward trajectory. Nice, and it's been great ever since. And and it, again, we got to give a massive shout out to the Edmonton Arts Council. They support a lot of great projects, and uh, we are so thankful that they decided to support us because without that, we would yeah. never yeah. we've never have had um, a shot at where we are now. So awesome, yeah. And so we've got an album released. Album released, yep. All original songs? All original songs, yeah. Yeah. We we play like a couple covers. We you know, right. we try and we try and keep it um, about us. It's, okay. you know, we're confident in our writing, we're confident in what we're doing, so let's let's showcase our tunes. So so yeah, it's all nice. original. Is there is there inspiration? Is there a band or a or a group out there that, that oh, inspires yeah. you guys that's kind of leading Maybe a little bit of your direction today. Inspire who we steal from. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many different, um, you know, tastes. People, you know, musical tastes in the band. So mm -hmm. it, it it all seeps in. Um, you know, I like rock and roll. That's where I come from. Right. I like it all, but you know, rock and roll is kind of where I'm from. Uh, yeah, Matt listens to a lot of like old school R and B right. soul music. Um, Jeff and Doc are really into the country, and uh, you know Jay's into rock. And Jay's into everything, right? Um, but it all seeps in, and it, we just always find that it ends up sounding kind of like, uh, well, Eric Church, um, you know, with Chris Stapleton, and I mean the Brothers Osborne. I mean, all those guys are kind of doing um, Southern country rock mixed in with some Stones, mixed mm -hmm. in with like just it's. Um, it's not the pop right. flavored country, country that's out there. So fair. Yeah. Okay. So so do you see some similarities between entertainment and retail? Yeah, they're both extremely difficult industries <laughs> to be in. Um, especially as an independent. I should, you know, I think that's where the that's where they connect is right. the, the independent side. Um, you know, as an independent artist, we don't have a support system in place that um, will automatically um, book us shows, sure. uh, you know, set up our our you know merch purchasing and design. Um, will you know you name it? We don't have that in place. We don't have that team. So we have to build that team on our own. Right. And same with an independent retailer. You don't have that in place. You have to build your own team we'll um, with people that you that are qualified and that you trust um, to help you succeed. So. Um, you know, we found that 
as we move forward and we grow as a band, we fill a seat that needs to be filled. You know, right. Jeff Radio Tracked, and Radio Track is basically like sales calls for your single to radio. You're calling up radio stations, you're sending emails, you're like, hey, have you listened to our new tune? Can right. you add it? Uh, you're just trying to get your Weasley, your single, into a music meeting. Um, and then after that first run, okay, we need to fill that position. We can't keep doing that. We've got more right. important things to be doing. Not more important things, but other things that we're better at, I should say. Um, so we filled that spot. And the same goes for, I think, retail is that as you grow from, a, you know, a, you know, as you open your small retailer and as you grow, you need to fill these positions. You right. can't be doing it all on your own. Or you're going to burn out and fizzle out. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, and then also, I think there's... Um, Similarity in like, I think what we find in music as inspiration, you know, you're trying to be open to inspiration and like, um, you know, being willing to catch that, that lyric idea from your conversation that you overhear. Right. You have to be open to hearing this uh, and open to ideas to be inspired to write and, and make great songs. I think a retailer has got to be open um, to the opportunities, which I think are the inspiration. I mean, it's the same right. thing in music. The, the inspiration is the opportunity to make a great song um, for retail. The opportunity is that that one area of your, your business that can really drive some sales for you. Right. But you got to be open to it. Or if you're just locked in your ways and yeah, you're not point. willing to see that that you know little glimmer over in the corner that's going to work and and you know build some right. sales for your business, then then you're not going to, you're not going to get there. That's your right. That's a retailer's writer's block. Yes. You know, so. All right. Yeah. And so then you said merch. So, so in merchandise, what, what things do you apply from your retail knowledge base today to moving Prairie States merchandise? Um, well, we just did it with our first seasonal item. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always find that, uh, I mean, in, old, in bands that I was in before, you'd, we'd buy up a ton of merch. Much Period. like a retailer, we buy up a ton of merch because that's what you need to have. You need to have. Right. You need to always have stuff. And then you look at it like well, we don't have any shows booked. <laughs> Why are we buying all this merch? And that's what's coming up now. Is that we're like, okay, well, we know we don't have anything going into the the fall and the winter. We've our, our busy summer has kind of wrapped up, um, and uh, we're going into recording. We're getting ready to to record some new material. We're getting ready to push a new single. That's where our focus is. So why are we going to load up on a bunch of merch? Right. Um, so we did a smaller run of T-shirts recently, and then it's getting into the fall. So we got hoodies. Hoodies, yeah, seasonal. Um, and the first show, like we made it a rush to get these hoodies in time for a show that we had at the beginning of September, and um, and sure enough, like we went to a tent, we went up to Fort McMurray to play outdoors. Yeah. And. Um, and people didn't know us. They, I mean, they'd heard us a little bit on the radio station right. up there, but they didn't really know us. And we moved a bunch of hoodies, like, and it was great. Yeah. But it's it was smart. It was smart buying. We were buying seasonally, and uh, <laughs> and then we're also trying to to work our way out of inventory going into um, a slow period, a quiet period. Yes, so, exactly the same as retail. It's exactly, exactly the same. Exactly the same. Um, but then we're also looking at it like. <laughs> We're gonna to have to take some chances going into the new year. Like, what are these new lines that we want to bring in? Like, right. it's just so weird right now. Like, bands are essentially there to sell, you know, try and sell some CDs and, and records at their at the merch right. booth, but also like cool shirts and right. some cool hats and stuff. And, yeah. Um, so trying to get into the something that's outside of 
the box a little bit. Like, yep. well, what do we, what do people want? You know, <laughs> we got buddies yeah. who are making like custom one hitters. I'm like, that ain't us. But uh, right. But yeah, you're trying to, you're just trying to find that 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 thing that people uh, that your logo is going to look cool on. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Okay, so you've wrapped up a busy summer. Yep. What's next? Uh, actually, to, this afternoon we're going into the studio. Uh, we start recording. We've got two songs that we recorded in the summer that are polished, all ready to go. Um, and then we're doing two more right now. Um, New Year, we've got two more that we're going to record. Um, and then it's just, we've... So is that another album that's coming? Or are they singles? Yes. No, it's going to be a full album or a full EP, EP. In, in the summertime, but the, the actual digital releases will not happen. They'll, we're going to spread them out right. so that you know, people... We, we've been, uh, we put the record out a year and a half ago, and then people have just been listening to that, and they right. haven't had a new taste yeah. of new songs in a long time. So uh, we're just going to be, we're going to do this for the fans where it's like every couple right. of months, it'll just be something new, something new, something new. Um, also like retail. There you go. <laughs> and it's uh, we've properly prepared. Before we would always we would always just do we put something out and then you know just react to whatever right. happens. And now we've we've you know, we tried to map it out um, our our year as independent DIY right. uh, musicians and and artists. We we have to prepare our year um, so that we we're not caught. Yeah, uh, you know, not not ready to go ready. with something. So yeah, we're preparing properly. All right, how do we follow? How do we listen? How do we how do we chase you guys? Uh, Tell us about about how to follow the Prairie States. So um, here's another thing for uh, all you independent retailers out there: make sure that all your socials, <laughs> are the, the handles are the same. <laughs> uh, so on Facebook, we're the Prairie States Band. Um, on Instagram, we're the Prairie States. On Twitter, we're Prairie States. And then the website's theprairiestates.com. But yeah, you make sure you line those up because it makes it impossible for people to find yeah. you. But yeah, follow us on Spotify. Yeah, I've got um, you on Spotify. That's yeah. I hear you every day on Spotify that's for awesome. sure. Yeah, no, that, sure. and that's the, that's the biggest thing. So if you, I mean, if you know of somebody out there who's in, you know, you got a, a nephew, you got a friend who's in a, an up and coming band, follow them on Spotify. I know it's, it sounds kind of like, well, I, I listen to them anyways. Just follow right. them. All that data, all that, uh, all that an analytics that, that goes into these streaming numbers now that helps an artist um, move forward at, at radio or wherever they're trying to go. Um, that information really makes it so that they can approach booking agents mm -hmm. and, and, um, and talent buyers and, and all sorts of people with uh, confidently. With, right. in, with information that, that, that'll that help them get that gig and, and uh, help them get paid. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, that's a wrap for today. My guest again, Mike Nash from the Prairie States. Thanks, pal. I really appreciate Thanks you coming for having in today. Me. Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you.